In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who was the greatest theologian in the ancient church? Do we really care about the answer? Some of us are more interested in which NFL football team will win the Super Bowl later today. Some of us care more about which movie during the last year will win the best Oscar for best picture next month. Some of us are more interested in who won the Grammy Awards for popular music this past Monday, or whether the Boston Red Sox will win the Major League Baseball World Series later this year. Okay, I'm probably the only one in this, in this church who cares about that. Maybe one or two others. But most of us probably care deeply about who will be elected president of the United States in November. With theologians? Spent out a hot ticket item these days. But they were almost a thousand years ago in the 11th century in the Byzantine Empire. Allow me to trans transport us all back to the year AD 1081. The time, the reign of the Byzantine Roman Emperor Alexios Komnenos. The place, Constantinople, the greatest city in the Western world at that time. Rome, by the way, was a mere husk, a shadow of its once previous glory before it fell to the barbarian hordes in six centuries earlier. The issue, who was the greatest theologian in the history of the one and only Orthodox Church in the first millennium? People then really took, care, took seriously the question of theology, and especially theology as the queen of the sciences as Thomas Aquinas in the Roman Catholic West made very popular in the 13th century. And the best minds in the Orthodox Byzantine Empire were devoted to the pursuit of theological truth and revelation. But not only the best and the brightest, even the so-called common working man was well informed about matters of theological doctrine. Can you believe that? Can you believe that people in common daily life would be debating theology? You should, because it's true. The great church father in the fourth century AD, St. Gregory of Nyssa tells a story about a debate raging over the Arian heresy that had gripped much of the Orthodox Church, the Christian world at that time. One man at the fish market argues that God is two divine persons, but one God. Another customer counters, one God, the Father alone. And that's only one such public theological dispute among many in those days. We today must seem pretty shallow by comparison. In 11th century Byzantium, however, that intense interest in all things theological had become quite divisive and spiritually dangerous. Militant, contentious factions had arisen, like our political parties today, in favor of three candidates as it were, from the fourth century, as to who was the greatest theologian, all of whom, by the way, have feast days in the month of January. Now, with great indebtedness to the 
great Serbian bishop, St. Nikolai of Okrud and Zica in the 18th century, I shall now summarize how his monumental prologue of Okrud tells the story. First, there were the Basilians, who championed St. Basil the Great, whose feast day is on January 1st or January 14th on our modern Gregorian calendar in the West. St. Basil for his purity and courage. St. Basil was Bishop of Caesarea in Cappadocia in what is now the modern nation of Turkey. He was composer of the great divine liturgy that bears his name, organizer of the Byzantine way of collective monasticism, original founder of charitable institutions, including hospitals, orphanages, and homes for the aged. Fourth century, as well as an eloquent theologian of doctrine, especially on the divinity of the Holy Spirit. Second, there were the Gregorians, who carried the banner of St. Gregory the Theologian, whose feast day is January 25th or February 7th on the Gregorian calendar. He was renowned, as St. Nikolai put it, for the unfathomable depth and height of his theological mind. I'd like to have that on my tombstone. Not worthy, though. I'm serious. I, I shouldn't even said that. I just love that. St. Nicholas, what a great, what a great Serbian writer. Orthodox. St. Gregory was born in Nazianzus, also in Asia Minor, modern Turkey, and retired there after a distinguished career as a prolific writer of orations on the Holy Trinity against the heretic Macedonius, who denied that the Holy Spirit was a divine person, against the heretic Apollinarios, who denied that Christ had a human soul, and even against his schoolmate, the Byzantine Roman Emperor Julian, who became a pagan apostate, a holy Roman emperor, a successor to St. Constantine the Great, a pagan apostate. As Archbishop of Constantinople, St. Gregory the Theologian also presided at the Second Ecumenical Council in Constantinople in A.D. 381, which completed the Nicene Creed and which we recite every day during each divine liturgy. Third, there were, and last, there were the Johannites, who took up the cause of St. John Chrysostom, whose main feast day is November 13th, Julian calendar, but whose relics were transferred from Armenia to Constantinople on January 27th in AD 438, another January great saint. St. John Chrysostom, literally golden-mouthed in Greek, was justly celebrated for, as St. Nikolai of Orkut put it, the wonderful beauty of his speech and the clarity of his presentation of the faith. St. John is also renowned for his lengthy and brilliant homiletic commentaries on the New Testament, which would eclipse even those of the prolific St. Augustine of Hippo in the Latin West, the two most prolific commentators on scripture, multiple dozens of volumes, those two, St. John Chrysostom in the East, St. Augustine of Hippo in the West. Also, St. John was a fearless, I love this part especially, 
prophetic Archbishop of Constantinople himself, who in the early fifth century challenged the Byzantine Emperor's wife at Luxia for her extravagance and neglecting the poor. St. John Chrysostom also shortened, as we know, the divine liturgy of St. Basil the Great, and we use that liturgy on most Sundays and feast days, including today. So whom to choose? Who was the greatest of these three brilliant bishop theologians, these three great hierarchs? Does anybody happen to have a candidate? Anybody an advocate for any one of those three? You know, it's often at times like that one in the 11th century, Byzantium, when God himself reveals the folly of men and women and the magnificent transcendent glory of his truth. In the year of our Lord, 1081, God the Holy Trinity graced a certain John, Bishop of Ephkatiata, in Galatia, Asia Minor, with a vision in a dream. Each of the three great and seemingly hierarchs appeared in succession to Bishop John in that dream. And when all three had, then all three at the same time, they said to him, quote, we are one in God, as you see, and there is no dispute among us. Neither is there among us a first or a second the apparitions also asked Bishop John to announce their visit and to proclaim to the faithful in Constantinople that the three hierarchs were equal in the sight of God. Whoever disputed that will be disputing Almighty God himself. Virtually overnight, the long and taxing debate, fruitless as it was, thank God, was resolved. The church leadership designated January 30th or February 12th on the Western Gregorian calendar as the feast of all three hierarchs. To this day, the Church of Greece, in particular, honors the three hierarchs together as the special patrons of all schools and scholars. So do all Orthodox seminaries around the world, including, of course, our own beloved seminary, Holy Trinity in Jordanville, New York. But what a simple and brilliant solution to a completely unnecessary problem. And what a lesson it is for us who might be tempted to speculate as to who the greatest theologian is or ever was. And by the way, I'm glad nobody raised a hand a few moments ago. I, I'm glad, I shouldn't even ask that question because what if somebody did? And then I'm saying this. Today, we're more likely to not debate about theologians, but not in the Orthodox Church and the other faith groups. Who is today the greatest Christian in the entire world? Or even, God forbid, among ourselves. None of that really matters. Nor is it mere coincidence or a sign of confusion or lack of historical knowledge that the Orthodox Church has assigned the role, the title of theologian, to three saints alone. Yes, St. Gregory of Nazianzus, one of the three scholarly holy hierarchs, but also 
St. Simeon the New Theologian, a monastic, mystical master of prayer through the Holy Spirit in the 10th century. And finally, St. John the Evangelist. St. John, that's right, the Hebrew fisherman turned apostle, a working man without, we may assume, much formal education in first century Israel. And yet our Lord Jesus Christ himself chose St. John, the son of Zebedee, to follow him and become an apostle. A popular spiritual custom in orthodoxy today is to regard a theologian as any pious orthodox Christian who devotes his or her life to talking with God, which is, after all, what the word theologian means, literally. The Greek words theos and logos put together mean words or reason about the word, logos, God. Under that rubric, we could even include St. Simeon the Righteous Elder, who figures prominently in the events in the second chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, which we commemorate during the great feast of the meeting of the Lord in the temple, in fact, this coming Thursday, February 15th. Simeon waited and prayed all his long life as a devout Jew for the promised Messiah, attending the temple in Jerusalem every day until he finally saw the baby Jesus there with the Theotokos and St. Joseph, and he spoke the eloquent words that we know so well and recite as the song of Simeon toward the end of every daily Vesper service. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to enlighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. We are all of us struggling disciples of Christ and saints in the making, equal in the sight of God for our genuine, sincere efforts of faith and prayer, and that is, remember, prayer to God, talking with God, the Holy Trinity. The greatest theologian, the greatest Christian, is simply he or she, no, no, we, all, all of us, who live our lives believing, praying, feeling, and acting in accordance with the gospel of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. That is all that really matters in the end. But that is more than enough. Amen.